quite familiar words, treasured and beloved by so many throughout the ages. Psalm 23. Hear from God's holy word, and may he comfort us through these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. Amen. Speaking with a pastor friend of mine recently who said, it would be worth it to, to read an in-depth study of shepherds and sheep. And it would be, chiefly because God goes to such great lengths to impress these metaphors upon us of him as our shepherd and we as his sheep. Shepherds and sheep would be a very familiar picture in ancient Israel and the reason that God would employ this metaphor would perhaps be immediately much more obvious to their minds than it is to ours. It's a beautiful and a, and a tender image, but we need to give ourselves to it and think about it a little bit more, work a little bit more, since we don't live in a chiefly pastoral society. That is, uh, we don't have sheep and shepherds everywhere around us. What are the characteristics of a good shepherd? Well, most of the characteristics of a good shepherd are given to us in Psalm 23. I have yet to read that in-depth study of shepherds and sheep. But we know what a good shepherd is, uh, not even relating to God, but just in general from reading Psalm 23. Particularly in the ancient Near Eastern world or in the Mediterranean world, a good shepherd will find good grass not only for eating, but for lying down, for resting. That was a world of dry and arid soil and not much plush grass. So the shepherd has to find it for the sheep. He finds places where they can graze and they can lie down. He knows where clean and safe water is, a good shepherd, in a land of scant rainfall. And thus he leads his sheep to this place, to quiet waters, not where there, is, where, where there are rushing waters, which could be dangerous for the sheep, not to a place where there would be other animals that would pose a threat to these sheep, but to quiet waters, clean and healthy. This would be a, a midday practice normally to lead the sheep to quiet Waters, And there's something to that, that the shepherd knows exactly when it is that the sheep need to go to these quiet waters. The shepherd knows what you need and when you need it. 
The shepherd would choose dependable trails for the journey when moving sheep from one place to another. As Psalm 23 said, the paths of righteousness. He, he knows where to lead the sheep. And thus the sheep would rise at the call of the shepherd. This is the shepherd who has fed his sheep at the proper time and allowed them to lie down in those green pastures. This is the shepherd who has led them to those quiet waters just when they needed it. Thus, when the shepherd calls, the sheep rise without thinking about it at all. A good shepherd fends off threats. His rod is a comfort. The rod would be sort of a a short stick with a ball at the end of it, almost like a, a mini weapon, and it would be used to fend off threats. The rod. The staff would be a long stick with a crook at the end, and it would be used to tend the sheep, to keep the sheep close to the shepherd, to pull them back in or to redirect them. Guarding against outsiders and keeping the sheep close to him. The shepherd would do all of these things for the sake of his name as a good shepherd. A shepherd would uh, want to be given to his vocation, given to his calling, and thus he would want to fulfill his duties responsibly and rightly. God was thought of as the shepherd of Israel, and this was a beautiful picture, but Psalm 23 is interesting in that it makes it much more personal. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me, he leads me beside still waters. He puts me into green pastures. He restores my soul. It's a confidence and an assurance that is bought at a great price. As we know, King David certainly walked through the valley of the shadow of death for much of his life. And yet, he exudes this confidence. God's people, when they read Psalm 23, one of the things that should happen is in your heart, uh, you ought to cry out, I want to trust God this much. I want to have this kind of confidence in my God. I want to think about him as my shepherd like this, the way that David does. Nahum chapter 1 says this, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. God wants his people to take refuge in him as their shepherd. There's blessing in this, isn't there? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. Interesting picture, isn't it? The one who trusts in the Lord as that fountain of life, as our good shepherd, as the one who gives us what we need and when we need it, we will not fear when the heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. There's perhaps nothing more encouraging to fellow Christians than quiet confidence that comes at a high cost and is born out of struggle and suffering. To look to God as your shepherd, to trust him as your shepherd, to continue bearing fruit when the heat comes. We are to yearn for this kind of confidence and this kind of assurance. And God did not employ this picture by accident. He's calling us to it, he's confronting us with it, and he's comforting us with this picture of the shepherd. It was an ancient picture, as I said, thought of uh, in corporate ways, but it's interesting in the book of Genesis, God is said to be the shepherd of Joseph. Genesis 49 and verse 24 
We read there that when it comes to Joseph, the archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. This is Jacob's song. He's sort of giving his blessing to all of his sons at the end of his life. Yet his bow remained unmoved, that is Joseph's. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it? Because even at this very early part in patriarchal history, you have Joseph... Uh, who has lived this life in the valley of the shadow of death. He has dined in the presence of his enemies, but he knew the goodness and mercy of God that had been his lifelong pursuers. That's an important thing to know too in Psalm 23. Goodness and mercy aren't following us in the sense that they're behind us. It's that goodness and mercy are coming after you. They're they're, they're coming to, to find you and to give you that comfort that you don't even know where it comes from. God is the shepherd of Joseph. The same thing is said in Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So it's an ancient picture, one rooted in the history of Israel. We see that basically the shepherd is what we, we know him to be already, a provider, a protector, and a perfecter. A provider, a protector, and a perfecter. The shepherd provides what you need and when you need it, even when it's not what you know that you need. Man does not live on bread alone, Deuteronomy says, and Jesus says when he is tempted in the wilderness, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's interesting how God has given it to the church to receive the word of God. Day after day, and especially week after week as they assemble, what's to be the center of the worship service? The word of God proclaimed. Because even when you, don't think, when, when you think you might not need the word of God, that's exactly when you do need it. A good shepherd provides for the sheep. A good shepherd provi- provides a way to go and finds the way to go. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You think of a sort of evening setting. And a shepherd leading his sheep and knowing the way that it has to go to keep the sheep free from danger. The paths of righteousness are God giving us his law in which we are to delight. Because we know that that is where wisdom is found. Because we know that if we heed God's word and we heed his law, there will be blessing that comes from that. Psalm 119 Verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Should no one understand that to live in the way of God's law is to be given life through those precepts, through those commandments. It's not, uh, you know, this isn't a prosperity gospel verse. It's not as if God is saying, obey my law and I will give you all kinds of material blessings. No, it's about seeing something deeper and seeing the blessing of living in communion with God before the face of God according to his law. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Proverbs 6, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light 
and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. God gives us his commands. He gives us his word. He gives us his law that is like that lamp in a dark place. That is like that shepherd that knows what path you have to take when nightfall is coming to keep the sheep safe. He restores our soul. He gives us new life. He gives us that which we need, nourishment. He provides for us. Protection and presence, he's a, he's a protector. And his protection, we see that one of the joys that we are to have is just from the fact of his presence alone. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, in the most dangerous circumstances and in the darkest hours of life, what makes the difference? The presence of God. The presence of God makes the supreme difference in the way of God's people. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. You are with me. In just a few moments, we'll think about how Jesus fulfills all of these things. But there's, interestingly, a second picture in Psalm 23, and that is of host and guest. Not just shepherd and sheep, but host and guest. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. See, this wouldn't make sense in the context of shepherd and sheep. You don't anoint the the head of sheep with oil. Uh, You don't uh, allow sheep to sit down at a banqueting table. So the picture has shifted a little bit from shepherd and sheep to now host and guest. And it's a lavish meal. And in order to understand what's going on here, you need to understand some of the ancient Near Eastern laws or customs of hospitality. Hospitality was a huge part of the culture back then, such that even if there was someone who was a fugitive, kind of running from the law or trying to run to safety, and this fugitive uh, would throw himself into a tent of someone that he did not know, The person who owned that tent obviously wouldn't know the fullness of the situation, but he would be bound to receive him as a guest and to provide for him and to give him honor. You anoint my head with oil. You give me honor. Even in the case of an undeserving fugitive, an honorable host provides peace and security, treats this guest with unbounded kindness and shares fellowship with him. Psalm 27, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after always, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. A person who runs to the tent and throws himself in. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Psalm 36, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. You anoint my head with oil. You give me undeserved kindness. You give me honor. That can only come from you. And thus we say, my cup is overflowing. As if to say, the goodness of God is overwhelming. This is the kind of sense you are to have. Reading Psalm 23 and being reminded of all that God has done for you. But he's done it all for you in 
Christ. It's no accident, brothers and sisters, beloved, that God has given us in the New Testament that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And thus you see this picture come full circle. But it comes full circle in the sense that the good shepherd, the one in charge, the one who knows the way to go, the one who can protect and provide, the one who can lead you on the right path, the one who knows when to take which path and where the calm waters are, the one who knows all things, the way that a sheep would look at his or her shepherd, the way that a sheep would look at its shepherd, thinking that the shepherd knows exactly what to do all of the time. It would be like God to that sheep. And in fact, God did come as the good shepherd to lay down his life for the sheep. John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He knows all. He knows where to go. And yet he ends up giving of himself in order to provide the life that his sheep need. The good shepherd fulfills the imagery of rest. Laying down by the green pastures and still waters. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus fulfills God leading us on paths of righteousness in two different ways. Number one, in the gospel... We are provided by faith, by the grace of God, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ that's given to us and imputed to us by faith as we trust in the work of the Good Shepherd. And also by giving us His Holy Spirit, He produces in us a sanctified righteousness that allows us to enjoy the abiding presence of God. As you catch yourself being sanctified by the power of the Spirit, God allows you to enjoy communion with Him more and more. To live on paths of righteousness in justification and in sanctification. The supreme difference of all the circumstances of life is that God is with us. That God is with us. And how do you know that God is with us? Because Christ came. Matthew Chapter 1, you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus is God with us. And then as Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Christ fulfills the picture of host and guest as well. If uh, There is perhaps no better example of an undeserving guest than we, human, sinful human beings, sitting at the banqueting table of God. You can think of it related even to the Lord's Supper. That we're coming as poor beggars, as sinners to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're undeserving guests and he has anointed our head with oil. And he has wrapped his arms around us and he has said, come and find rest here. Come and find mercy and grace here. The good shepherd gives us an eternal home. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's what we read in Matthew chapter 27. The good shepherd gives his sheep eternal life. Just as a sheep would look to the shepherd thinking that this shepherd can do no wrong and to give this shepherd its all. That is what God wants from us. And this is how the picture needs to be connected in our minds and usually we don't go here. When we think about sheep and shepherd, we fail to sometimes make the connection that in ancient Israel, why were sheep raised? Why were they being fed? Why were they uh, uh, being given this life from these shepherds? They were being raised to be killed on the altar of God. They were being raised to be made a sacrifice. The picture, this picture would not have been lost in the minds of Israelites. Christ feeds us with himself in the gospel at the table. He feeds us with himself in order to strengthen us or if you like, in order to fatten us up, if you will, in order that we might become living sacrifices. He strengthens us unto that work. William Still, pastor, says this, Israel's sheep were reared, fed, tended, retrieved, healed, and restored for sacrifice on the altar of God. This end of all pastoral work must never be forgotten, that its ultimate aim is to lead God's people to offer themselves up to him in total devotion of worship and service. And of course, this all happens in the shadow of the cross. With this in mind, with, with this in mind of what Christ has done for you, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. 1 Corinthians 6, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. What's God doing at the table? He's strengthening you so that you can go forth and be a living sacrifice. He's reminding you of the sacrifice of Christ, of the cross of Christ, and feeding you by the gospel of grace so that you may give yourself in sacrifice and devotion to him. God wants your trust the way a sheep trusts a shepherd. He wants you to rest upon his grace. He wants you to trust in him as the shepherd of your soul that you may be well equipped to give yourself back to him. So let him feed you. Be fed well so that you might go to the altar and give your life in the shadow of Christ's sacrifice. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will bless this time as we come around the table and celebrate and remember humbly, reverently, with joy and yet carefully, not wanting to do anything improper in your presence, but yet, Father, knowing that as a shepherd you anoint our head with oil and undeserving fugitives running from your law. It was your law that we broke. And you welcome us into your tent. You spread a lavish meal before us. We thank you for that. We praise you. Bless this time around the table now. In Christ's name, amen.
you would go to